Welcome to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast with your host, award-winning realtor, Matt Glenn, and top producing mortgage broker, Taylor Atkinson. Professionals in the industry, enthusiastic entrepreneurs, and successful investors. When it comes to real estate, we're all in. Okay, welcome to the show, Blake. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We've been trying to get you on for a bit here. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. Yeah, nice. Glad to have you. Uh, yeah, so you're a mortgage broker in Kelowna. You've been lived in Kelowna for quite a while, haven't you? I've been here for 21 years. Yeah, so that was a while. It's been a long time. And it's uh, it's home now for sure. Yeah, where'd you come from? I grew up in the Lower Mainland, and uh, and then I was in Calgary for a couple of years, and then ended up back in Vancouver, and then here. So. Cool. So what, what brought you to Calgary? Bit of a story, but I was in Kelowna visiting a, a friend and I ended up getting paralyzed. They flew me back to Vancouver because at the time there wasn't a spinal cord ward here. And then I did nine months of rehab in Vancouver. I didn't have anywhere else to go back to because yeah. my house in Calgary was a three-story infill. And <laughs> my parents and my sister, they didn't have accessible houses either. So yeah. I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do. And one of the people that I ended up in the hospital with, he was from Kelowna and he'd been paralyzed as well. And he was young and struggling with it. So yeah. Yeah. his parents asked me if I would come up and mentor him. So I came back up here, lived with them for a year, tried to help him out. kind of get out. So that's, that's your origin story for Kelowna? Yeah. Oh my God. I knew you yeah. were a good dude, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So wow. it was, uh, are you still in touch with him? Is he in Kelowna still? Yeah. I still talk to him and his family is his parents and I are closer than him and I, Yeah, but, uh, he's still struggling with the whole, uh, being paralyzed. And yeah. Stuff, so. Mindset thing. That's sad, but you have obviously coped super well with that. Yeah, it didn't really uh, affect me too much. It's kind of crazy, actually. I just happened to be in a really good place mentally and emotionally when it happened. And yeah, I mean, you have a choice when that happens. And you never really know how you're going to deal with it. So I just, rather than curl up in a ball and be bitter and angry, I was just like, I'm just going to live my life and do what I want to do. Just figure out a different way to do it. So, yeah. yeah. And you do that. You actually, you do that. You're living it. You're on your boat all the time and... Yeah, you're doing the things. I try to have a good life, man. <laughs> you're, you're succeeding. Yeah. yeah. From what I can see. So, welcome to the icebreaker. This segment of the show is brought to you by Taylor at Venture Mortgages. Come venture into the exciting world of mortgages. Blake, what's your favorite? I know the answer to this one, I think, but what's your favorite Kelowna season? Summertime. <laughs> yeah. The guy with the nicest boat in the lake likes the summer. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we live here. I think, you know, the majority of people live here just because of the summer times. Yeah. 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 Our last episode, we did a whole episode on things to do in Kelowna. And we didn't yeah. even, the lake didn't even come up till the end. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. what? Yeah. But you are, that's awesome. You're living it. What's your drink of choice? Coffee, cocktail, beer, wine? I like a red wine. Yeah. Yeah. You got uh, a favorite? So my favorite red wine right now is uh, from Orange Swift in yeah. California. It's called Papillon. Yeah, it's a uh, really nice red, nice. but uh, there's tons that I like. So, yeah. but that's my favorite at the moment. Do you allow red red wine on your boat? No, <laughs> <laughs> champagne, white wine, or, yeah, or really, vodka yeah. drinks. Yeah. yeah, I love it. What about beer? You beer on your yeah, beer is good. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't drink it, but somebody else can. <laughs> 
That's funny. Uh, if you have 12 hours left in Kelowna before you leave forever, what are you doing? Uh, the trifecta. So <laughs> I want to go skiing in the morning, yeah. wakeboarding in the afternoon, and then get my bike and ride up Knox. Wow. So, okay. What time of year can you do that? Can you April. Get... April? Yeah. So is that, that's over. Yeah. I, tr- I try and do it every year. Yeah. It's really, really. it's really tough to make it happen because yeah. just weather wise. Yeah. But uh, last year I managed to get that one in, which was awesome. Super cool experience. Like go up, do 11 runs, come back down, hop on the boat, go for a surf, then jump up on the bike and go up Knox. Yeah. Go up Knox. Do you, you have to use your arms obviously to get yeah. up there. My God, no wonder you got 22 <laughs> pythons. <laughs> That's amazing. That's I went. I rode up there once on my bike, and I was like, "Holy shit! I can't believe I finished that." It's a killer workout for sure. Especially imagine. after the rest of it. Yeah, no kidding. Like this is the trip. Yeah, eleven runs. That's a full day of skiing. Yeah, for yeah, I, I do usually seventeen, and then I go home. Yeah. So it's like eleven's eleven's a good. You are living the Okanagan lifestyle. So you have your calling brought you here, but you just made the most of that. Jeez. Yeah, you know what? I think most people don't realize. The nicest part about Kelowna is that you have anything that you want to do within 15 to 20 minutes, other than the ski hill, which is 45 minutes, and you have five hills within two and a half hours of here. So like nowhere else you can really do like three things in a day. Like, I mean, I don't golf. You could do a round of golf. You could ski. You could go on the lake. There's so many cool things that we have here. And then you have 110 wineries in the Okanagan, which you get to visit in the summertime. Yeah, you know everything's close and accessible. We preach it, yeah, honestly, and it's true. It's it's an amazing place to live, I, and it's only getting nicer. It seems, yeah, you know, like it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, if you were going to buy a property in the Okanagan, what what would it be? Where would it be? Recreational and on the lake. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> with a nice dock. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. That's uh. Yeah, can't go wrong with that. Yeah. No. <laughs> that might be one of the first answers for the lake. A lot we get a lot of like yeah, big white big or white. Airbnb properties, but yeah, everyone's missed out on the obvious one. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's my lifestyle, right? So yeah. I want to be on the lake. Yeah. Sweet. I kind of want to dive back into like the start of the story. So your mindset is obviously incredible. How did you get paralyzed originally? So I was getting towed behind a snowmobile on an inner tube and I hit a tree. So I I broke my back and it's crazy because we were going less than 10 kilometers an hour when it happened. So it was really kind of a fluke accident. There's probably a hundred other times in my life where I should have been paralyzed for things that I was doing. Yeah, I was pretty big risk taker. And uh, I mean, I'm still kind of taking too many risks, but (laughs) you still said it. (laughs) Yeah, but definitely back then it should have been from something else. You know, the day before we were up at big white, I was trying to do double backflips and landing on my head all day and then we're kind of just having a chill day and hit the tree and then that was that what happened so you did, did you were you passed out like did a helicopter come did you- no no so i was awake for the whole thing it was really weird like i knew right right away that i was paralyzed uh i was just telling people around me like i'm paralyzed you need to support my head like i had a bunch of training as well so oh. So then they called an ambulance, ambulance came up, they put me in the ambulance, drove me to Kelowna General, and then they flew me from Kelowna General to Vancouver. And you were like, instantly, your mindset was right within the first, like you you were there for nine months doing rehab, or did it take you a while to kind of come around? So when I came out of surgery, I uh, had a pretty sad moment, right? Like I was pretty upset and 
didn't scared, didn't know what was going to happen. I had like three of my best friends. Well, two of my best friends are twins. And then uh, the girl that I was here seeing and they were at the end of the bed and I started crying and Jason and Jamie, they, they just started making jokes about me being paralyzed. So it was like, that's enough of that. Yeah. They basically, Jason really, he, he just said to me, he's like, shut the fuck up. This isn't a problem. You're, you're going to figure it out. Quit crying. He's, and then he's like, now you got a reason to have skinny legs. So, cause we were bodybuilders. Right. And like, anyways, so he's just like giving me a hard time right off the bat. And then, yeah, I was just like, okay, screw it. I don't, I can't change it. So let's just yeah. make the best of it. Wow. That is kind of awesome. Yeah. yeah. And so, do you still like now, do you, do you still do any mentorship coaching? Cause like to I, help anyone else in that same position? I do a lot of like speaking yeah. events. Um, when they come up, I, I'm not actively pursuing them, but, uh, I'm happy to do that. And if there's ever anybody that's just freshly paralyzed and they want someone to chat to, I'm happy to go and do that as well. Yeah. So do you I, do that? You do yeah, that? Yeah. I've, I've done quite a bit of speaking engagements. Yeah. Um, when I was working for TD, I did the, like a disability conversation, all the heads of TD just on how to interact with people with disabilities. Uh, when I was in uh, Australia for the, the Pan Pacific Paralympics, yeah. I went and talked to the schools there as well. I've done a bunch of stuff here with the November project and yeah. I have a note here that said that you swam across the lake, like right after that. Yeah. Happened. So six months to the day of my injury, I swam across the Okanagan Lake. Oh yeah. So God. just to raise some money and awareness. Yeah. I got paralyzed and then I started doing, started swimming. I sank like a rock the first little while I was trying to figure out how that works. And then my buddy, Sean and I, we just, for the next four months, we just swam like three times a week and then did the, so they go from the old ferry docks to main beach that in August they do yeah. that race. So yeah. I wanted to do that. And then I just did it with my buddy in September on this like six months to the date of my yeah. accident. Matt looks at that lake every day thinking, Oh, I wish I could swim across. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Damn. I should be able to. Uh... And then like to continue on the, this one surprised me the most. So you're the first paralegic Patty instructor. Yeah. So I, oh, that's crazy. I started my dive instructor course before I got paralyzed. And then I just, I wanted to still say I did it. Yeah. So I went and, uh, through diving dynamics here in town. Yeah. They have this crazy course that they're noted as one of the top dive instructor places in the world because yeah. it's it's like a almost like a military type course. It's some of it's taken from like the SEAL stuff. And so I had to do all the same stuff that everybody else did. And then yeah, I was the first guy in the world to get certified as a dive instructor as a paraplegic. So it was pretty crazy. Like <laughs> We had to tread water with like 10 pounds on our necks yeah. and be, like, I can't. So I like, I'm treading water and then taking a breath and then breath. come back oh, up and tread water and then come like sink and then come back up. And we had to do it for like 10 minutes. So it's part of the thing to pass. So yeah, I was, wow. had to tow somebody like 1500 meters in the ocean with one hand still like trying to swim them back to, it was crazy. It was awesome. But My yeah. God, Barrier is not in your vocabulary, my lord. No, yeah. anything you want to do, man, you just set your mind to it and you can do it. <laughs> that is kind of amazing. Jump topics here. How did you get into mortgage broking? 
I was doing Forex trading for about four and a half years. And a yeah. buddy of mine that worked at TD as a mortgage specialist, yeah. he knew that I wanted to get out of that. So he asked me if I was still interested in trying to find like a, a real job. Yeah. I said, sure, let's, let's do that. So he set me up and got me an interview. Um, and then I got on with TD. So I was there for just about seven years. Yeah. And then made the switch over to independent just in the last month and a bit. Oh, nice. How's yeah. the switch going? It's way better. Nothing against TD. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. but it pigeonholed me into one lender, yeah. whereas this allows me to give more opportunities, more products to my clients. I can yeah. do commercial, yeah. private lending. It's just better all around. Yeah. You have consciously made a switch into, not switch, but you've been taking on more commercial uh, files too, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's something I really want to get into. There's not a lot of uh, commercial lenders or yeah. commercial mortgage brokers in Kelowna. So yeah. something yeah. that I want to focus on. And I've just developed a lot of relationships with developers over the years that I yeah. wasn't able to help with their commercial stuff. So oh, yeah. better fit. What's your prediction on the market coming up here? <laughs> In terms of rates or in terms of housing? I guess both. both. Let's start with rates. I think you're going to see rates go up again in July. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately. 25? 25 points? Yeah, probably yeah. 25, unfortunately. Yeah. And I don't think we really need that, but I think that's yeah. probably where we're at. Yeah. And then I'm, I mean, nobody has a crystal ball, but I'm hoping that towards the end of the year, beginning of next year, we start to see them fall a little bit. Yeah. Um, might be, you know, down around the 3.75 to 4.25 kind of in the next, this next coming year. I don't think they're going to probably drop below that. I don't know. You probably hey, that, no, that's good. I mean, that honestly, if you said that a year ago, people would be like, oh, that's the worst news ever. Now people are probably thinking that's amazing. Yeah. So it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of my feel. You're going to start to see some foreclosures happening over the next uh, like couple of years. I don't want to be all doom and gloom, but the, I think that that's probably going to happen. I don't know. I think housing prices here, it's interesting because we live in a unique place and we have a unique market where everybody wants to be here. There's a lot of outside influences as well. So a lot of the people that are purchasing here, 40% of people that buy in Kelowna aren't from Kelowna. So it's a lot of outside money coming in and I don't see the prices really dropping drastically, uh, even though we probably need that. Yeah, I think they're probably going to stay the same or keep going up. I definitely agree with that. You think the foreclosures are going to happen like 2024, 25, when those people that locked in on a cheap five-year fixed in COVID yeah. start to come up for maturity? Yeah. 2019, 2020, 21. How do you, like, how does a foreclosure happen? Like, wouldn't you, like, when you're getting close, like, just decide to f- call me up and list your house? Like, how does it get to that point? Like, what do you think happens? They think they can hang on to it. They yeah. think they can make things work. Yeah. And it just gets to the point where they can't. Yeah. So, or they're they're uh, too proud to to let it go. I guess also if you get into a position where the mortgage is like it's more than the house, and that's like selling is off, not even an option. Yeah. Really, but I feel like that's we're not in that territory really, especially with the higher price homes, like all the houses. Like to get a five percent mortgage, the place has to be under five hundred grand, right? So like yeah. you can't if the place would have to drop. 10% or more likely 20% to be able for the mortgage to be underwater. So like I just, when I hear about foreclosures, I think, okay, 20% drop and unable to make the payments. 
right? Like, so is that, like, how many people does that happen to? I honestly don't know the answer to that, but. For foreclosures? Yeah. With TD, when when I was there, yeah, uh, we would get fed foreclosures yeah. uh, because it goes through the, the bank, right, first, yeah. and then they're handed out. So I only saw two in six and a half years. It wasn't happening very often. But I think, again, coming these next couple of years, you're going to see more of that. Yeah. Yeah. If you're an independent broker and you finance a deal, like you put together the mortgage, like, do you get, and they default? Like, let's say they default a couple of years later, or like not default, but foreclose. Like, how do you get notified? How does that work? I don't think there's a notification. There's no notification on our end. They won't tell you. No. No. Interesting. It's up to you to be in touch with your clients. I do want to preface on the foreclosure as well. Like, it's not like the states where, you know, when a foreclosure happens, it's like a fire sale and there's a discount and it's good for investors. Like in Canada, the court is protecting the lender, right? So whoever has that mortgage, they come up with purchase price that they're willing to sell. And then you make an offer on it. If it's an accepted offer, you go with basically no subjects, but then it goes to court. And other well, people, the first guy can have subjects. Yeah, but then other people know what the offer is. Yeah, and then it it gets bid up to like a reasonable price. So you know, if there's like thirsty investors out there, it's not like there's going to be blood. And on it's the not quick. No, it's a it's a long process. Yeah, it's, it's a long. It's not like you've done a few of them and they're like. They so drag. if you if you see a million dollar house that's going for, for foreclosure, it's probably going to sell for like nine ninety. That's what I mean. It's this is what I'm good. saying. Right. This is why I just don't see how this could happen. Like, I obviously it's always going to happen a little, little bit, but like on mass, I just can't see how this happens so much. Well, right? that's how it happens. People think like you. <laughs> it's never going to happen to me. <laughs> that's going to yeah. be calling us in two years. <laughs> yeah, I, I do agree with you though. I think in Kelowna and like you said this before, we are a little bit of a protected bubble here. So, pop. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm optimistic. Oh, yeah. Like. The submarine could never sink. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not possible. Yeah. Are you referencing the submarine? Yeah, yeah. No, totally went bit, there. That's a bit soon. It's not by the time this comes out, enough time has passed. For oh, next week. <laughs> yeah. Next okay. week. Yeah. Yeah. I did reference that. Sorry, everyone. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I think that's a, a fair prediction. Rates rates on the bit of a rise for the next month or two and then come down. And then flatten out, then come down. I think. That's likely, that's what I think too. I mean, and that's that's the overnight like variable rate. The fixed rates have been like surging the last three weeks. Yeah. yeah. They really went down a couple months ago with the bond market. Yeah. Yeah, the American banking system. But yeah, they've been racing back up recently. Yeah, yeah we just had rate hikes again today. Yeah, it's like every second night getting yeah. emails. So like- we're doing a lot more rate holds right now for clients, but those are kind of a headache anyways. They got to be pretty specific for- what property they're getting. But. So you don't think there's going to be a little bump? Like there's a, every time last year where there was a rate hike announcement, there was like a little bump in the market of people trying to get in the market with their rate holds. I don't think so because a year ago this time when that was happening, the variable was cheaper than the fixed. Yeah. So people were pre-approved on a variable because most people were going into a variable product because you could buy more. The rate hikes actually affected their purchasing power. Now those eight announcements a year, like, you're not really qualifying too many people on variable. Like how many clients are you put? Nobody in? wants variable right yeah. now. It's all three year. You're paying like a year. Three year. Yeah. yeah. You're because- paying a percent and a half higher on the variable. You just can't qualify for anything. So those rate hikes aren't really affecting anyone. The fixed are, and those are happening every day. 
yeah, you're seeing a, I had three emails today from three different lenders saying that rates got bumped up again today. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just in time for July. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> make, so yeah. Make our job a little harder. <laughs> so you may still yeah. see people, if somebody has like a 120 day rate hold and it's expiring in 30 days, yeah, maybe they'll try to get in because they're on a hold at 5% and their fixed yeah. rate now is at 5.4 or something. I guess at the same time, you don't want to just get into something for the sake of it because you probably want to be a little more selective at the houses that you get. It's funny, like as an agent right now, the market, like the houses that are priced nice and decent are like multiple offers, hard to get still. But like if you have a house that's like just a regular house that's overpriced at all, yeah. it's just absolute crickets right so now. So the other day when we were at the sales meeting, I was trying to find out from Max yeah. whether, like what's price range that's moving fastest? Because when I was talking to some agents, they yeah. were saying like 1.1 to 1.7 was they were getting multiple offers on those yeah. types of properties. Yeah. And then you have the properties under a million and they're still moving, but they weren't moving as fast as that 1.1 to 1.7, which that blew my mind. Right before this podcast, I had a client call and he said, he wants to look at this house in Vernon, listed at just under 1.3, bid on the market for one day. I call the agent trying to book a showing. She said, we're in multiples right now. We're about to accept an offer. I'm like, are you kidding me? Right. Yeah. This is a 1979 house. Like it was a decent house on the like almost an acre, but like you have other listings that are on there for months and there's just yeah. no action at all. To your point, that market is going pretty good. But your I was just talking to Taylor's wife, Emily. She just her listing just went to multiples in Rutland, and that was what it was at, like around 900, eight or nine hundred-ish. Yeah, I think it was around nine hundred. But again, like you price it right, and there are people that want to get in on those types. There's it, just no inventory. There is some inventory there. It is growing, but it's, there's not that much quality inventory. Right. Right. So when it comes on, like people can smell it. And as soon as it comes on a nice house, like it's getting hit. So that's the thing, like the under million dollar homes, I'm assuming they're not a very good quality home. Yeah. And I'm assuming that the properties from 1.1 to 1.7 are probably the better quality homes. Yeah. I mean, in general, they're yeah. going to be, but they're yeah. probably a higher quality house for a better price than the under a million that are junky homes that are yeah, yeah. selling. Some of the homes under a million are not like it's, it's, pretty neighborhood dependent. There are factors, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Uh, development potential, like yard, like a lot of stuff like that. Right. So like, it is funny. There is a funny market. Like it's very, it's very touchy, but it is, there's buyers out there. Yeah. There's sure. lots of people moving. Things are moving. Yeah. Yeah. We just, a couple of podcasts ago, we just talked about population growth and then Taylor looked after. So what was the stats that you picked out that Canada grew at like 1%. Yeah, just over 1% annually. And Kelowna has grown at like 2.4. So it's basically the, the double double growth compared to the rest of Canada. Yeah. yeah. Which makes sense. But I, I don't think we're building that. We're not. We yeah. had somebody come in to the office not long ago and he, like a city planner type guy. Yeah. And he was saying that every year we're going to be 5,000 homes behind what we need for rental for the next 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. We've also talked about this on the show, but like Kelowna is like a bowl, right? So like there's like the flats and then it goes up on the mountains on all the sides and then there's a the lake. Yeah. Right. So like there's not going to be any more single family homes unless they're in the high end homes in the mountains, right? With nice views. So like there's, if you have a single family home in the city, there isn't going to be any more of them. Right. And like we just said, there's going to be way more people coming here than the houses we have. We have condos being built and we have infill. 
right? We have old teardown houses being built and putting fourplexes on. Yeah. And like they take forever to build. They take a year probably yeah. to get through there. If you could have a single family home in Kelowna, like you, I don't think there's a bad investment out there. No. Right? I mean, as long as you can hold on to it. Yeah. Investment wise, any areas you like, properties you like, like coming from an investor, what would you buy in Kelowna? Other than your lakefront property with your boat. I have a hard time uh, right now just trying to make the numbers work with condos with rent right now. Yeah. It's um it's a bit of a challenge and I think you're seeing that probably a slowdown in people buying those investment properties. Um, there's also like like I said there's those are the products that are coming online there's new condos all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? So like yeah, so I agree with you. Yeah. I think your probably your best bet is finding something that is in the lower mission yeah. kind of towards Knox area that yeah. is an older home yeah. that you can tear down at some point or put a carriage home on. Yeah. yeah. Those are probably going to be your best bets. Yeah. So like that's it. So I I totally agree. And then also like Kelowna kind of the two popular places in Kelowna are like closest to downtown and then with the views, right? So like the places with the views, those are getting built in the mountains, but those are also going to hold their value because everyone loves to look at the lake, yeah. right? All the different vantage points you can get in the city. So it's that's a nice place, I think. You're just saying that because your house, yeah. you're trying to talk you out of a foreclosure. <laughs> <laughs> I will not sell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's going to appreciate this view. Yeah. And we were talking before the show, and this might actually be a really good topic that we should address, but like do's and don'ts when you're in a mortgage application or you're pre-approved and you're going to buy, do you have some advice for anyone out there that is about to buy in the next three, six months? In terms of their application? In terms of taking on maybe a a car payment or... Try to go tit for tat with Blake's boat. Yeah. So... uh, Like how to best position yourself. If they're going to come speak to you and they want to go buy a house, um, what are kind of the best steps to make sure they're not over leveraged with uh, bad investments? Don't buy a boat, a car, (laughs) a trailer, any toy that you're going to finance if you are planning on buying a house. Because people do that all the time and what they don't realize is right now for every $450 of debt that you have, like monthly debt on a payment, you're taking away $100,000 of your buying power. That's a ton of money. Like yeah. a regular car payment right now is going to be in the eight, 900 bucks a month. Yeah. So it's two, so, $200,000 that you're not going to be able to purchase. Yeah. My God. So it's easier to get a car loan after you have a mortgage than yeah. it is to get a a mortgage after you have a car loan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's right. You actually don't have to do anything for a car loan. They will just get yeah. those away. <laughs> that, yeah. like, what's with the incentive there? Why, why is that a thing? The cheaper interest rates? No, why, like, so easy to like uh, mortgages, obviously, they kind of hold up the economy, but why is it so hard to get a mortgage and so freaking easy to get a car? What is going on there? The lenders are securing against a higher yeah. value asset. Yeah. Right? So they want to make sure that you only have a certain level of debt to be able to debt service that. Yeah. Whereas the lenders for cars, they don't care. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm curious too, like to repossession a car would actually be fairly easy. I mean, someone could- It just wouldn't hold the value it. the same, right? It wouldn't right. hold the value. But I mean, if they defaulted two months in a row, you could probably go put a boot on it and then get a tow truck. Pretty hard to do that for a family that's in a house. Like you're, you're yeah. kind of tied up in that yeah. for a long time. But yeah- I agree. It, it's a little bit too easy. It's kind of like, it's, it makes sense 
when you zoom out, but for the average person, it does not make any sense. Yeah. Right. Like we, like I always preach about how you buy a house and it can like change your life. Right. So like you think it'd be easier for people to do that. Whereas you get a car changes. It, it also changes your life. Now you can drive. Yeah. It's kind of funny how that, that works though. Yeah. Anything else about the kind of mortgage industry, real estate community you wanted to touch on? I mean, just uh, if you want to talk about like residential lending and commercial lending yeah. a little bit. So the big difference between residential and commercial is that with residential, the lenders are focused on your personal income yeah. as opposed to with commercial where they're more interested in what your net operating income is going to be and what the business plan looks like. So as long as that is uh, able to debt service what they're looking at and it's a profitable business, yeah. they're looking at that rather than your personal income to secure that. So that's something that maybe not the average person knows. Residential is uh, to be able to debt service everything with your income at like a 42 or 44% TDS, which is like your total debt service ratios yeah. and a 39 GDS, which is your gross debt service ratios. Yeah. So with commercial, it's a little different. How does it work? Like, are they looking at cap rates? Like, what are you, what are yeah. you looking at here? Yeah, for commercial. Yeah. Yeah, they're looking at cap rates. Again, it's like your operating income. They want to know what your net operating income is and if that's going to be able to, like, if it looks like it's profitable business yeah. and it's going to be able to debt service the loan. So it's rather than having your personal income, they're looking at the business income and making sure that the business is a viable business. They do it as like a DCR, so your debt coverage ratio. Yeah. It dependent on the asset class and the lender, but they'll do it for like one will have maybe 120 DCR or one will have 140. And so it's like 120% of that like income needs to cover the debt. But the nice part is you're not qualifying it personally. Like that's not going to be on your credit bureau. So it's not like a car payment. You know, it's it's within the corp. You still sign for it as a personal guarantee in pretty much everywhere in Canada for those, unless your corporation's like massive. So there's still a liability to you personally, but it is nice because you know what I like, I love the commercial side because there's so much due diligence with the appraisals and environmentals and inspections. Like it's really tough to make a mistake. Like you, you can't go out and buy a commercial and have- <laughs> You mean people, as a buyer? As yeah. A, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like if you get something under contract and it doesn't work financially, somebody's going to tell you, like yeah. you're, you're not going to get that loan. Yeah. Where if you're buying a house and like- you know, residentially, maybe you have a good income or there's like been really good commissions or something you can make it work. But yeah, commercially, it, it just seems to be a little bit safer. And then like the commercial rates are usually a little bit higher than the residential for obvious reasons. There's more benefits to it being in a corp. Going the way rates are going right now, people are having a hard time qualifying. Yeah. So one nice thing with private lending is that you can get somebody that maybe doesn't qualify right now for uh, the house that they want to get. Yeah. You get a private lender, private lender will, will do that for them. Yeah, uh, They'll finance it. It's going to be a higher rate, but then you have a year or two years where you can get them into a position. They're financially able to go in with an A or a B lender. Yeah, And so that's a, a really nice option to have. Is that an option for both pri or, uh, residential and commercial mortgages? So you can do private lending for commercial as yeah. well. well. The same kind of thing, like kind of like a, the Burr method where you go in there and renovate it, rent it out for hire, or like somehow increase the operating income? Yeah. If you increase your NOI, there's 
more liquidity you can tap into, but you would just refi it with the same lender or a different lender. Yeah. You wouldn't go private because it would be more expensive. What has happened with the private rates? Have they went like super high? They're they're creeping up there. A little bit. Yeah. I just got a quote yesterday for a property. I mean, it's in a Soyuz, so it's a little bit further out there, but it was 11.79. Okay. One year, right? But there's a lot of fees to privates as well. Normally, you're going to pay that lender a, a one or a two percent fee on the mortgage balance. Yeah. Um, but like you said, your exit strategy has to be bulletproof because yeah. I think maybe a, a year or two years ago, also like a lot of people could have gotten in trouble with privates because they thought, "Great, we'll get this private, and in a year, then I can qualify for a three percent residential mortgage." And if that That's year came now. up and they're trying to qualify now at six percent, yeah. There is no exit strategy. So then they're just going back to that private at 11 or 12%. So you have to really, like if you're going private, you have to be pretty confident in in your ability to- The main thing private lenders want is they want to know what your exit strategy is. Yeah. So I guess you should also know what your exit strategy is before you get into that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's a conversation that we have with yeah. them, yeah. right? So that's how you're consulting your clients and putting them in the right product. Yeah. Making sure that that's the right fit for them. That makes uh, a lot of sense. Okay. Can we jump into our ice maker? Just uh, four quick questions to cool things off a bit. Sure. Time for everyone's favorite part of the show, the ice maker section. Brought to you by myself, Matt Glenn. What's the best habit or routine you attribute to your success and something you feel our listeners could benefit from? What I do every night is uh, I go through what I have to do the next day so that I'm already prepared when I wake up, I have a purpose for my morning and for my day so that I can go through and checklist all of that stuff off. I think that is a huge way to operate your business or if you're self-employed to be able to go through those things that you have coming up the next day. Just because it it gets it on your top of your mind right before you go to bed. And then when you wake up, you're like, okay, I know what I got to do. And I'm going to get through those each one of those things. So I make a list. I make a list every night. Yeah. It probably helps you to sleep, honestly, because then you're not trying to think of all the stuff you have to do tomorrow. It's already like on a piece of paper. And I do it before I leave my office. Oh, okay. And then I write down on a sticky note and I put it onto my screen. And then when I go home, before I go to bed, I th- I'm thinking about it. And then I like come back in in the morning and I already know what I have to do the next morning. Yeah. That is, I do this, I do the same thing, but usually in the morning, I should start doing it at night. It would also, I agree with you, it would help me sleep. <laughs> uh, you know, like, like kind of just. I don't think anything's going to help you sleep. Right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it's been rough lately. Yeah, I signed this up five hours in a row exactly one time. Since but you before. told me Becca's sleeping like 12 hours oh, a night right now. <laughs> yeah. I feel terrible when I sleep like I'm a joking. few hours in a row. Like, oh my God. Yeah. No, but I'm holding in there. Yeah, I got this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a private mortgage what's the exit strategy yeah, man yeah. sleep yeah. training that's yeah. what it is i may have a story because i'm not sleeping that well that's the problem yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right blake what's the best thing you've ever spent money on my boat your boats yes. so how often do you get a new boat uh the first boat i had for four years oh yeah and then the next one i had for one and this one i've had for two i'll probably Next year or the year after, I'll switch it out again. Just I put so many hours on it yeah. that um, get rid of them while they're still in good shape yeah. rather than wearing them right out. 
Yeah. yeah, good shape is an understatement of the year. You honestly have the nicest boat I think I've ever seen. <laughs> what kind of boat do you have? So I have a 2018 X-Star. It's a Mastercraft. Yeah. So it's a wakeboarding boat. Yeah. It was new in 2020. Yeah. So the guy that I bought it from, he put like 123 hours on it in two years. I put 285 on in one year. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got that whole thing like redone, eh? Like, yeah, I yeah. had the whole thing it's all under warranty. So yeah. I just took every it in and I had the whole thing redone under warranty. Yeah. Wow. So and new seats and new seats, new speakers, like new swim grid, everything. You took Matt wake surfing last year. Right? I did. How yeah. did he do? He actually did pretty well yeah? for okay. uh, his yeah, first time. Yeah. yeah. He doesn't listen very well, but, <laughs> but he still managed to get up and, uh, and go. We were trying to give him some pointers and he was like, just not having any of it. I could not hear you. In yeah. my defense, I could not hear you. Cause so. you told me that after that you weren't listening. I was like, you were, I didn't know, know you were saying anything. Yeah. So yeah. I need this to year that. we'll, we'll do it again. Yeah. That was awesome though. That was uh, yeah. What a time. Yeah. Yeah. The boat's awesome. Yeah. What's the most impactful book you've ever read? There's a few of them, but uh, I really liked uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Blink. Yeah. And um, there's two other ones called Tipping Point and The Outliers. Yeah. So those are three really great books from him. Yeah. Um, probably best fiction book would be uh, Shantaram. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you read that? Yeah. It's I have, that, that, days, I have yeah. not. No? Oh, no. That, that book is amazing. Have you seen the TV series? No. Yeah, know it's actually one. pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the book is... It's better, yeah. Sure. But it was pretty good. Yeah, I think it's on Apple. Okay. Yeah, maybe one season, two seasons. But yeah, it's worth a watch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll have to check that out. All right, Blake. What's your favorite quote? So this is something that I wrote actually uh, four months before I got paralyzed. I four was, months before? Yeah, I was on my way home from Australia. Yeah. I was trying to figure out a a life motto. So yeah. it says, "Nothing in life worth living for comes easily." Your greatest moments of self-accomplishment will come from conquering those things which have caused you the greatest pain or the most fear. Strength comes from within. My God. And then you wrote that before. Just right before. That's what I mean. I was in a really good headspace when I got injured. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah. So that's my my favorite quote. Yeah. You are honestly a guy that lives the way you talk. You just like do it all. The smile on your face is kind of a, uh, inspiring, actually, to be around you all the time. So, yeah, thanks. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. No. Is there anything else you want to talk about, or you want to uh, anything that listeners can do to help you out? Or, uh, I mean, referrals, referrals, referrals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the the best way that somebody can help me out. Um, yeah. If you know somebody that needs a mortgage or wants to refinance, if you yeah. want to send them my way, I'd absolutely appreciate it. I'll all make right. sure I look after them for you. Yeah, sounds yeah, good. We'll, we'll put your information in the show notes, your email address, phone number and everything. Cool. What about, uh, do you have social media at all? Or I am, um, just because I just did this transfer over, yeah. I'm still trying to get my social media up and running. And, yep. um, and If you need any tips, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perfect. We'll, uh, we'll link to that as well. Okay. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. Uh, it's been awesome talking to you, Blake. Uh, yeah, thanks Super for having inspiring. me on here. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's been great. Good fun. Yeah. Okay. All right. Take thanks. it easy. Yep. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast. Be sure to reach out and let us know how else we can add value to your Kelowna real estate journey. Please show some support by hitting the like, share, and subscribe button. This is sponsored by Matt Glenn Real Estate and Taylor Adventure Mortgages.